knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. What's up, y'all? We want to welcome you back to another episode of the Hunt Stand Podcast, and specifically Field Note Fridays, presented by WorkSharp Tools, a knife sharpening company. Today, our strut report is going to be brought to you by Mr. Josh Dalkey himself. He's been hunting all over the country this turkey season, but specifically, we're going to be talking Wisconsin and Minnesota, and primarily because Wisconsin season has kicked into gear. Minnesota's been going for a little while, but Josh has been hunting every day. 4 a.m. to pitch black darkness and so josh welcome back to the podcast thanks man we're just out here grinding um we've been doing minnesota now for about a month and uh wisconsin has also been going for about the same amount of time it's just that i'm a i'm a non-resident for wisconsin and it's very difficult to draw a tag that early in the season so Mm -hmm. the way there's the way their season structure is broken down it's A, B, C, D, E, F. And as a non-resident, you can start to get tags uh, primarily like in the D season, so the fourth season. But then after that, if you play your cards right, you can hunt the rest of the entire month of May and into June 1st um, by just getting some leftover tags. So I've got tags in my pocket to allow me to hunt Wisconsin for the rest of the month up until I have to say goodbye to turkey season June 1st, reluctantly. <laughs> You got just a little bit more time, man. So tell us, you know, specifically you've been hunting Minnesota a lot lately. Um, and with you just starting Wisconsin, kind of give us the skinny, give us the rundown on what these birds have been doing, man. Yeah, it's been very interesting day to day. Um, first thing I'd say is, uh, when it comes to nesting hens, um, I don't know what percentage of hens are nesting right now, but it's got to be, it's got to be a significant number. I would say even I'd go as far as even to say the, the majority, at least um, where I've been hunting, which is from the central part of Wisconsin and Minnesota down. Now the Northern birds, some of those hens are probably still not quite nesting. So I'd, I'd say as you go North, just because of the weather, um, there's probably some more receptive hens up there, but, we're in the shift right now where it seems like most of the gobblers where I've been hunting in Minnesota and Wisconsin are just starting their, their search mode. Um, they're just starting to realize that a lot of the hens, the solo hens are already doing their own thing. They're not interested. And so they're not receptive. And so what I've been seeing is 
a number of gobblers that have been trying to court hens that want nothing to do with them because they're already, um, they're, they're already working on nesting. And one of the easiest ways to see that based on my experience, um, no matter where I've hunted, but it's, for some reason, it's very apparent here in the Midwest. Um, you can tell when the hens start nesting, when they show they start showing up in weird spots, like places where you'd never normally see them. So here, most of the turkeys live in contiguous woodlots, but this time of year, you'll start to see them out in islands that are not connected to other, other parcels of forest. You'll start seeing them in ditches and just brushy spots. And, you know, they're trying to hide their eggs. They're trying to hide their nests. They don't want predators to find it. They, they try not to visit it too often because they don't want crows watching them and that type of thing. So when you start to see the hens go to those weird places, that's when you know that they're starting to nest. But yeah, what you'll also see is the, the gobblers, they, they haven't fully caught on yet. So they see a hen like that and they'll spend a decent amount of time with her before they realize that, Oh, okay. She's, she's not having it. And then they'll finally, you know, they'll break off. But because of that, it's a unique time to find gobblers also in weird places. Like for instance, this bird that we hunt, um, we call him Houdini. Now, when I say him, we actually killed the original Houdini last year in this weird Island of trees out in the middle of no man's land because he was doing just that. He was hanging out with this hen that wasn't receptive and he's, he just couldn't get the point. So he hung out with her for too many days um, to the point where we were able to pattern him, and I was able to go in there and kill him. And it turns out that uh, apparently his blueprint has been passed on because yesterday my brother scouted that same spot. There was a solo hen out there with generation two of Houdini. My brother actually tried hunting them this morning and we call him Houdini because they had uh, a really difficult time getting on him last year. One of my friends actually took a shot at him and, and, missed and they tried hunting them multiple times for three days and they just could not connect with him. He would just disappear. And sure enough, my brother goes in there this morning. You'd think it'd be a sure thing hunting a bird on an island of trees like that out in the middle of a field. Yeah. He never heard him drum. He never heard him gobble. He never heard him fly down and he never saw him. So we have no idea where he went. We think he probably uh pressed the button and took the elevator down to the tunnel system. Well, damn, damn, <laughs> damn. So tell us about, you just killed a bird. You know, you, you were t- telling me about how you just kind of like to go out at least once a year with no camera, not worrying about trying to film or anything. You just, you, you do that hunt for you. And so it sounds like it was a, a heck of a hunt, man. So kind of run me through that. Like what, what happened? What was, what was that bird doing? How'd you call him in? What was your calling like? Decoys, no decoys. Give me the, the 411 on it, man. Yeah, it was a, it was a great hunt. Um, I'm, I covet my Minnesota tag because we only get one here in Minnesota. And so I like to be selective about where and when and how I hunt with that tag. Um, originally I was intending to go to my family's farm, which is a special place for me to to go do anything and especially, uh, try to kill a Turkey, but I changed my plans and decided to hunt closer to home and, and fill my tag elsewhere because I've got some company coming in from Georgia. A couple of guys want to kill their Minnesota birds next week. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to bring them, uh, to my family farm and hopefully roll out the red carpet. So Sweet. I decided to, 
grab my tag a little bit earlier and see if I could get it done before those guys show up. And, um, <laughs> I was, uh, I was sitting waiting for roost time on Sunday cause I was going to go try to put some birds to bed and I was just having a beer at the local watering hole in my area where I turkey hunt closer to home. And there was a farmer in there and we started small talking. And next thing you know, I had permission on, um, probably about three, 400 acres of new property that I had, had never seen or hunted all just because we stuck up a conversation over a beer. Dang. So, yeah. And that's, that's how I've gotten, um, that's how I've gotten a lot of my permission. Just people, you just got to talk to people. I, yeah. I'd say at least up in this neck of the woods, I've got an 80% or better success rate at getting, getting permission by talking to people and knocking on doors and using hunt stand, you know, look at the property info, roll up to someone's door, address them by their first name. Hey, is, is Bill here? Is, is Susan here? Whatever it is. And that automatically just is kind of an icebreaker. And that's, that's one of the, the great things about using hunt stand to acquire new properties like that is mm-hmm. for the power of door knocking. But in this case, it was just a matter of, I happened to run into this guy at the bar. And so the next morning I went out there and um, met up with him. He was doing some field work, planting corn. He took me for one little quick circle on his Kubota. We saw a gigantic long beard with, with a hen out in this cut corn field from last year. And, uh, I'm like, okay, well, there are a few turkeys here. It's a, it's a bluff property that overlooks a river and it's on a very steep bank and then there's fields up top. So it's a, it's a pretty classic, um, bluff country river bottom scenario with agriculture on top and water and hardwoods going down to the, to the river. So long story short, I had a, a tough time at a different spot I was hunting. I was in birds, but I just, I couldn't get the right bird to come into range. I, I called in nine different jakes and I couldn't get a long beard to, to do it for me. So even though I was already invested in that spot, I figured on a whim, I would just roll into the new property where I got permission. Um, that'd be, well, what was that? Two nights ago. So I rolled in there with the intention of roosting birds, but of course I, I brought my gun with, so I went in there light. Um, I didn't I actually didn't bring a decoy. Um, I, I didn't really bring anything other than just my shotgun and my vest with nothing, nothing in it other than just a couple pot calls and a mouth call. And, um, I was just going to go in there and mainly just listen. But when I got out of my truck, there was already one gobbling. And so, um, I measured it on a hunt stand. This Turkey was actually 950 yards away and I could hear him gobbling. Dad gum. It was, it was crazy. And it's because I was downwind of him. And that's one thing that I, one piece of advice that I like to share with people is that when you're going to go out on even just a breezy day and you're going to go hit a block of timber or whatever it is that you're running and gunning on, if you, if you can choose, I always like to approach from the downwind side because the sound is going to carry to you. You're going to hear them gobbling. And because they have so much better hearing than us, they're still going to hear your calls through the wind. So you got the advantage on it. Yeah. So I didn't plan it this way. It just happened to be where I parked and I got out of my truck and the wind was blowing at me and I heard him gobbling. So just a lucky deal. And I, I moved in on them. I looked at 3d and hunt stand to see what the terrain was going to roll out like ahead of me. So I could sneak around and 
and do a J hook to, to get in line with him. I knew he was out in this cut cornfield back in a corner. And so I used the terrain. Uh, I slipped in there, got on a little bench in the woods, a hundred yards off of where I thought he was gobbling on the field, carved myself out a nice little spot, cut down some brush that was in my way. Just took my time. Cause he was just hammering the whole time. I never even made a call when I went to him. I, Dang. he was just gobbling by himself. He was hot to trot. I don't think there were a lot of hens around. So he was just gobbling, trying to pick up a hen and I just lucked out. So I set up my spot and I knew in a situation like that, it's probably going to be hot and heavy. So I, uh, I made sure I was good and settled and ready. And I put my gun up on my knee and I let out a, a, a yelping and cutting sequence that I, I usually do to try to strike a bird right out of the gate. He cut me off. He double gobbled. I called at him again. He cut me off. I called at him again. He cut me off. And then I went silent. And uh, actually another turkey, I, I never identified what it was, popped up um, on the side of the ridge next to me in the woods and looked at me. And it, it must have pegged me because it went walking away. And so when it did that, I started calling again just in case it was spooking or or looking sketchy, I didn't want the gobbler to be tipped off. So I started calling again and he kept hammering at me when I would call. And then after I did some pretty aggressive calling, I went silent again. And uh, he, he also went silent. The last thing I heard was him spit drumming out in the field. And then there was probably about a, a five minute window of just the showdown, dead silence, me with my gun on my shoulder, on my knee, because the way I was sitting with the elevation, I knew he was going to, he was going to pop up. He was going to take a look. And if he didn't see something to confirm what he was hearing, he was going to bail. So he came up over the top. He looked around, he craned his neck around, looking around the trees to see where the hen was. He realized there wasn't a hen. And then he started to do the nervous walk back and forth. And um, that was, that was all I needed to uh, get him to step behind a tree so I could, make my final move. And, um, I shot him at 30 yards in the timber and it was just a, a gorgeous long beard with a 11 inch paintbrush. That was one of the thickest beards of, uh, any Turkey and also an Eastern Turkey that I've ever killed. It was just a tank of a beard. He had, he had thick spurs, so they didn't look that long, but they are actually an inch. Um, they look like they're more like three quarters, but it's just cause they're so thick, it's deceiving, but they measure an inch. So, he was a hell of a bird, and uh, I spent the next hour there just sitting with him in the woods, enjoying the breeze, and just sitting there reflecting on the hunt and the turkey season. And also, uh, the selfish side of me, I stayed there because I wanted to learn the property a little more and, and listen to what else was gobbling, so maybe I could bring a buddy in there this season and uh, try to get, get somebody else on one. Heck yeah, man. That sounds like one heck of a hunt. So kudos to you on that. So, man... One of the other questions I have for you is, you know, you, you had this bird that just sounds like you just struck gold with him, right? Like he was just hammering. You didn't have to do much until you were in place, but you've also kind of gone through some trials and tribulations lately. Like there's been some mornings and afternoons where it's just been atrocious, right? Like no gobbles, nothing. And so what is your advice for that guy that's kind of going through that right now? <laughs> uh, well, I'll give a little bit of backstory to my 
my plight. So I was, I was riding on cloud nine two nights ago when I shot that great bird. And then I, I got real excited because my Wisconsin season opened this morning. So my original, my original plan was to go to a, a hunting lease that I have primarily for whitetails, but we can hunt turkeys on there as well uh, in Wisconsin. And I was yeah. going to go there with my lease partner, um, Alex Robinson from Outdoor Life. And we went there yesterday evening with this grand scheme to roost some birds and get in there in the morning and have a great hunt. And uh, as part of this lease deal, I... Uh, we we have exclusive hunting rights to everything on there, but there's some, some old guys who hunt it who are in their sixties and seventies. And we knew that they've been turkey hunting there for a while. I mean, they don't pay anything. We, we pay a decent chunk of change because this, this, we hunt a lot of stuff on this property throughout the year and it's worth it to us to have it, especially for whitetails. But yeah. when we heard that these old dudes had been hunting there forever you know, I, I wouldn't want to be plucked out of a spot like that if I had a tradition. So we decided that regardless of whether they're paying or not, we're going to let them turkey hunt and stay out of their way. We get plenty of other opportunities elsewhere, and these guys probably only go once a year. So yeah, all we wanted to do was coordinate to make sure that we weren't going to be there at the same time. Well, we tried coordinating um, through the farmer who owns the land. Uh, he, he's the one who talks to those guys and we asked them about three different times during the last month. Hey, have you heard from those guys? Uh, what season do they have? And so he had not heard from them. So I, I assumed that maybe they just weren't going to show up. And so when we went to go roost last night, um, <laughs> we've discovered from the farmer that the guys showed up two days prior, put out three ground blinds and they were going to be there this morning to hunt the same season that we have. Uh-huh. So, we abandoned mission and I wasted my evening, um, my whole evening. I was not able to get out and scout and roost any birds for the morning. So I ended up going into a property blind this morning, one that I've never been in that I got permission on two months ago. Um, I had a good gut feeling about it. There was a good wintering flock there. So I knew that when they dispersed, there's going to be still a bunch of birds around. And I got in there this morning and, uh, it was, uh, it was interesting. I, I slipped in and actually one of the neighbors down the road, we're talking, it's four in the morning and I see a, I see a vehicle at my truck and I figured another hunter was going to roll in on me. So I watched from the forest to see what they were doing down there, looking through my binocular and I get a phone call and it's the sheriff. <laughs> he's, he's like, Hey, did you just pull in someone's driveway? And I'm like, no, I just turned around in the road and parked. He's like, what are you turkey hunting? I'm like, yeah, I'm just turkey hunting. He's like, oh, okay. One of the neighbors called me because someone just pulled into their driveway. And I'm like, okay, whatever. It's kind of weird to get the sheriff coming at you at four in the morning when you're trying to turkey hunt. Yeah. So it was the last thing I expected, but I was relieved that it wasn't another hunter coming, slipping in on the same parcel because then I would have really been in a pickle. But I got in there. And sat down on the fringe because I didn't want to go too deep without any roosted birds and bust anything. And there were gobblers in there, but they were all on the neighbors. They went the wrong way. And um, I, I believe someone shot one with a 20 gauge shortly after fly down. So I was out of luck for that place. I tried, I tried ripping a circle around it and doing some calling. 
But getting to the moral of the story and the question you asked me about it being tough right now, we have had a very, very slow spring. Um, the green up is late. The weather's been bad. Temperatures have been pretty cold. Everything is a little bit behind. And right now, on top of that, we're just in this like nasty, gray, windy, like it wants to rain, but it's not raining. It's humid. Um, it's just it's just bad weather for turkeys to be really doing it and gobbling. So this morning after fly down, as soon as they hit the ground, I never heard another turkey gobble hmm. four hours. I mean, I, I went to multiple spots. I didn't, I saw two gobblers out in one field in an area where the ground that I covered, normally I would see at least a dozen. And all I saw was one pair of gobblers and one of them was half strutting, not even fully strutting. And I never heard a gobble the rest of the day. And my, uh, my brother's experience was pretty similar. He was hunting in the area and they're just, they're just kind of shut down and lethargic right now. So, um, what I can say and, and offer for advice is number one, as always grind, just grind and grind and grind and keep driving around, keep looking for birds, keep jump, keep jumping into wood lots and ripping calls, do all the things that you normally do, but just do it at a faster pace. Cause your odds of stumbling into one that wants to play is a lot less right now, but there is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow because as soon as this weather front breaks, I will bet you my savings account that the birds are going to be out in force. So I'm just hoping that happens within the next couple of days and this, this weird weather doesn't hang on too much. But if it does hang on, then a guy's best hope is to either find a bird that's exposed in the open and try to get ahead of them and maybe not go too hard on the calling if he's, if he's not feeling it. Or, of course, really, really try to power roost and get some birds put to bed, pin them, and do your best to use the the terrain and look at the, your mapping and hunt stand to try to figure out where they're going to go if you don't already know and just get ahead of them. Because rolling, in, rolling into a midday bird right now and, and getting one to come running in and, and commit suicide at this time with this weather, they're just not doing it. I mean, they're just feeding, loafing, hanging out. Uh, I don't even think a lot of them are trying to breed hens. They're just, they're just being nasty jerks right now. <laughs> so they're just big chilling. Yeah. They're, they're just like, <laughs> they're just not doing anything. It's, it's, it's sad watching them when they're like this. It's just, it's tormenting, but uh, all you got to do is just, just stay with it. And I was up at two thirty AM yesterday and, 3 a.m. today and actually i've been up i've been at, up at 3 a.m. or earlier since sunday and it's it's starting to hurt a little bit but you oh, just got to get out there these days are numbered man spring doesn't last long enough so you just got to stick it out and deal with the pain i hear you man i hear you. Well, i love it well there you have it everybody josh brought y'all the strut report for wisconsin minnesota hopefully y'all are able to Take some of his advice and learn from the things he's done. And for all you Minnesotans and Wisconsiners, hopefully y'all can uh, bag yourself a big time here pretty soon. So, man, Josh, thanks again for hopping on another Field Note Fridays episode. You betcha. I'm about to uh, finish my work up here so I can get out and try to get after him tonight. Put one to bed. Go kill him dead. 
search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv don't miss mondays with into the blue brought to you by academy sports and outdoors every monday night from 7 to 10 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment